بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه جمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون وقال تعالى وأن يعبدوني هذا صراط مستقيم وقال تعالى وقضى ربك لا تعبد إلا إياه My dear brothers and sisters <coughs> This is actually the first time that I have come to your mosque uh, to talk uh, about, uh, about the marriage <coughs> and uh, about the fiqh of the marriage, inshallah. And I really it is very important uh, in our time. Can you please come nearer, closer, sit together, inshallah. Can you come nearer, inshallah. Young people, you know, don't, <coughs> don't need to lean on the wall. Come, inshallah. <coughs> yes. Come, please. Eh? Come, 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 inshallah. Come, come nearer. You know, in our time, you know, you can see really is there are so many problems, uh, you know, in, in the family life. Uh, people are so much scared, uh, you know, of marrying. Many people don't want to marry, many young people, because they see what is happening. They, they get married, and very quickly there are separation, there are problems, there are divorce. Very quickly, I have seen actually sometimes people just get married, and within one month, uh, there is a problem. So it is really very important to organize, uh, you know, courses like, like that and some, some talks like that. Uh, the fear is basically that soon the time will come that nobody would like to marry and Islam actually marriage is so important and without the marriage there cannot never can be family life so it is very very important and uh, people have because you know I remember actually in India you know uh, the people are so much scared and one of my teacher <coughs> he used to say you know joking, joking he says to say that you know I always advise people not to marry take lesson from my my experience but all my students Nobody listened to me. They want to have their own experience. Everybody, you know, marrying. So no doubt it is very frightening that the way things are happening in the world, and especially in, in, in the Western countries. And so many problems between husband and wife and between, between the families, and between the in-laws. Uh, we have to learn really that, you know, Islam has solution for every problem, for everything. So there must be solution for these problems. You know, when people get married, what is the solution for them? And what actually people have to do before they get married? So we have to learn this. So, Alhamdulillah, it is good that we organize this, uh, this, uh, this talk, inshallah. But before that, you know, one has to understand uh, that what is our purpose of, uh, our, what is the purpose of our creation in, in this world? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created all the mankind for only one purpose. And that is they must worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the purpose. Quran makes very clear that I have created all the men and all the human beings and the jinnis to worship me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, you know, you worship me, that is the straight path. And then the Quran says, your Lord has commanded that you don't worship but him. So worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is actually the purpose of the life. Worship is called in, in Arabic language, in, in Quran, ibadah. So ibadah is actually the purpose of the, of the creation. Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Is it clear now? Yeah. Okay then. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You know, as I mentioned, the worship in Arabic language or in the Quran is ibadah. And ibadah in Islam, you know, that is the purpose of the creation. 
but I and everything actually every command of Allah Subhanahu is if we carry out we obey Allah Subhanahu that's ibadah everything so whatever Muslim does from morning to the evening and whatever people do in their houses and in in the mosque in the shops anywhere if they follow the command of Allah Subhanahu it becomes ibadah so the whole life of a Muslim basically is ibadah no doubt and similarly you know individual life when you marry and you live between you and your wife everything basically is ibadah if people listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obey his command so everything is ibadah but ibadah in Islam is divided into two types what we call in Arabic language al-ibadat al-maqsudah wa al-ibadat ghayru al-maqsudah those ibadah which are intended to be ibadah they are the pure ibadah and there are certain things which are not ibadah by themselves but they are ibadah because they are connected to another ibadah what are the pure ibadah? Pure ibadah are like iman, like the prayer, the fasting, zakat, and the hajj. You know, to be to be honest, to speak, you know, uh, 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 to be true. These things are pure ibadah. You know, if anybody does not pray, basically he disobeyed Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You cannot imagine a believer who does not pray. It is impossible for believers that they don't fast. It is impossible for the believers that they have money and they don't pay zakat. It is impossible for the believers that they can afford to, uh, to do hajj and they don't go for the hajj because these are the pure ibadah without that believers don't exist. So you know there is so much reward for that thing. But there are also other things which we need in this life. They are not ibadah but they are ibadah because they are connected. For example, you know to do uh, the prayer you need to do wudu. And also to do the prayer you need to learn about the prayer. You know to pay zakat you have to have knowledge of the zakat. Similarly, you know, if you want to have prayer, you must actually eat and drink it. Because without eating and drinking, you cannot do the prayer. To eating and drinking also become ibadah when they are connected to the ibadah. And you cannot eat and drink unless you earn money. To earning money also become ibadah if it is connected to the ibadah. So the, we have two types of the ibadah. Al-ibadat al-maqsudah wa al-ibadat ghayrul maqsudah. Those ibadah which are pure ibadah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded people they must do this and there are other things which are ibadah because they are connected to the ibadah so the prayers they are always ibadah but doing wudu is only ibadah if you do wudu because of the prayer but if somebody in the life he does not do any prayer just keep doing wudu and wudu does he get reward? no reward there is no reward in just doing wudu and without the prayer when people do wudu and they do the prayer they go for the prayer then all their sins are forgiven and in the, they become pure and clean. So wudu is ibadah because it is connected to the prayer. Similarly, learning. You know, you have to know about 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 the prayer. How many fathers are there? How to do the prayer? This thing is a knowledge is a further because without without knowledge you cannot do ibadah. So knowledge itself becomes ibadah. Why? Because it is connected to the ibadah. So knowledge is not ibadah maqsuda, but it is from ibadah ghair maqsuda. That's why you can see in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never praises any prophet with the, with the knowledge, no, always with the amal. Because knowledge itself is not praiseworthy. Unless knowledge is connected to the amal, to the ibadah, itself is not praiseworthy. For example, if somebody memorizes you know, everything about the prayer, how to pray, but that person does not do the prayer, that knowledge has no reward. It's not praiseworthy. Because knowledge only becomes ibadah when it is connected to the ibadah. If somebody knows all the rules about zakah, you know, paying zakat and how much, you, but he has money and never, 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 never pays any zakat, 
you know, he does not get any reward because he knows the fiqh of the zakat. No, no reward for that. Similarly, if somebody knows how to do hajj, and he knows all the single rules about all fard of hajj, all wajibat of the hajj, all the sunnah of the hajj, and he has money, he can afford to do hajj, but he does not do hajj, he does not get any reward for that knowledge. Knowledge only gets reward when it is connected to the ibadah. That why you can see in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala praises any prophet or messenger, never says that he is Allama. In our time, you can see so and so is Allama. But is, have you ever heard in the Quran that Ibrahim is Allama? Quran never says like that. Have you ever have seen in the Quran that Musa is Allama? <coughs> no, because Quran does not. Quran only praises the prophets with things which are maqsooda, which actually are intended. So you can see in the Quran, the Quran says, in Ibrahim, in Ibrahim, in Ibrahim, in Ibrahim, in Ibrahim, Ibrahim, in 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 Ibrahim, Ibrahim, in 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 Ibrahim, Knowledge only becomes praiseworthy when it is connected to the ibadah. If people do the prayer, if people turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, they have tabattul, they have, you know, they, they are halim, they are, you know, they, these qualities, they are praiseworthy. They can see even the companions in early generation. You never see that, you know, any, any companion. Nobody says Abu Bakr Siddiq wa ta'allama. Does anybody say like that? Nobody says. Abu Bakr Siddiq, he says Siddiq, Siddiq, to be Siddiq, Siddiq actually is ibadah. Similar to Umar Farooq, nobody says he was Allama. Because ilm is not actually ibadah maqsooda. It is only ibadah when it is connected to the ibadah. Similarly, marriage. No doubt marriage is ibadah. You know, people get married, this is ibadah. <coughs> and people get reward for that. It is, but it is not ibadah maqsooda. Marriage is only ibadah when it is connected to the ibadah. Meaning is when people marry for purpose of the ibadah, then they get reward. What is the purpose of the marriage? The purpose of the marriage actually very clearly in the Quran and also in the Sunnah of the Prophet is that people make family. The purpose of the marriage is that people make family. And when the people make family, they take all responsibilities. So basically, the basic purpose of the marriage is that people get married, then they will have children, they will have you know, pure family, and they teach their family how to worship Allah Taala. Then this marriage is ibadah. If people get married and they don't have intention to have make family, this marriage has no reward. It's not ibadah. If people get married and they have children and they have no intention to teach their children how to do ibadah, how to worship Allah, how to believe in Allah, this marriage is not ibadah. If people only marry for the sake of the enjoyment, they get together, even if they have children, but they don't have any intention to teach them how to worship Allah they don't get any reward. Marriage is only ibadah when the intention is that you make a family and then intention is that you teach your family how to worship your Lord, how to do ibadah, how to pray, how to pay zakat, how to do hajj, how to fast, how to be a good believer. When you have intention this, then marriage becomes ibadah. Then everything that you spend in the, in, for the marriage, you get reward for that. Then any difficulty that you face in your family life, you get reward for, for that. So first thing we have to understand really that marriage itself is not ibadah in Islam. Marriage is only ibadah 
when purpose is very clear that I am marrying only to make a Muslim family and my, my intention is that when I have children I am going to teach my children how to worship their Lord. If intention is this then the marriage is ibadah and then people get reward for that. So before getting married prepare yourself you know men and women both have to learn really that what is the purpose of the marriage. Why are you marrying? And when the purpose becomes very clear in your mind, the purpose is that you want to have a Muslim family and you want to have children and you want to teach them and educate them, then you should know that every single step for the marriage actually gets reward. Then when you're looking for your husband and wife, for this difficulty you also get reward. Then when you marry and you spend money on the marriage, you get reward for that. And when they actually marry and then your wife is upset with you and you accept that and you, and you, you, know, you tolerate that, you bear that and you don't, you, know, you, you, you don't react and you become patient, you get reward for that. Similarly, the women, if the, you know, the difficulty husband become very angry or something like that, but they, you know, they listen and they, they, they expect reward from Allah, they get reward for that. So marriage basically becomes a ibadah when the purpose is very clear, when the function of the marriage is very clear, and when the responsibility is very clear, when people know what the responsibility is. And the responsibility, by that why actually in Islam, marriage is never allowed unless these two things are properly known. First thing is the purpose of the marriage, the function of the marriage, and that I mentioned, it is family. And second thing is the responsibility. That when you marry, there is a responsibility. Islam does not allow the marriage without the responsibility. Any enjoyment between men and women without the responsibility never allowed. Why adultery and zina is such a you know, big sin in Islam? You know, after the shirk, the, you know, the biggest sin in Islam and the most severe one actually is zina, adultery. Why? Because zina has no function. No, no function, no family life. Zina does not mean family life. And zina has no responsibility. It is just enjoyment without the function without the purpose and without any responsibility. And Allah does not like that. Just people keep enjoying and without any purpose, nothing. Life is not for enjoyment. Life is for ibadah. That's why zina is such a big sin. It is actually worst sin in Islam after, after the shirk. <coughs> so the basic thing is that the marriage has a purpose to make a family. And marriage has a responsibility. People have to, before marrying, must learn actually what responsibility is. For the men, what responsibility is? When you get married, for the men, when they get married, they have to provide accommodation for their wife. That's very, very clear. It is response. Accommodation is the responsibility of the husband. They must provide proper accommodation for their wives according to their own understanding, what at least, whatever the earning is, the earning of the men, they have to provide accommodation. They have to actually bear all the expenses and especially the food and basic medical treatment. This is their responsibility. Not every single thing of in, in medicine, but basic medical treatment also is responsibility of the husband. So husband should know that when they get married, they have to provide accommodation for their wives and they also should know that they have to spend money on them, they have to feed them in all the expenses of the food and basic medical treatment is responsibility of the husband. You have to provide her, the woman that accommodation where she can take off her clothes. You know, she should not, you know, you don't provide her accommodation where she basically all the time is in jilbab and covering the head. Meaning is, if you bring your wife in the house of your, your parent or your brothers, you know, not everybody is mahram in your house. And the people who come visit your parent or something like that, they are not her relatives. So she has all the time to put on a head scarf and jilbab because she cannot confront of them. So she needs a house where she can have lighter clothes where she can feed in a private life with her husband. That even if one, one room, whatever it must be, otherwise there are so many problems in the houses.
and it is not allowed really that you marry someone and intention is that you marrying that that person so she can come and serve your parent and look after your family this is not her responsibility we have missed the responsibility never has been islam look in the lives of the companions look actually in the fiqh of, of marrying islam it never has been your wife basically you know she, she, she has come to live with you your parent are your responsibility if you think yeah, they, your parent are old and they need somebody to take care of them you have to do that you have to find make arrangement your wife is not your servant she is your companion she is your wife don't expect things actually unnecessarily that's why many many problems have happened in the houses because people expect from their wives what they are, what is not in contract what is not from islamic law so people have to provide proper accommodation to their wives and they have to bear all the expenses if they can do this then they are allowed to have marriage that's why the prophet sallallahu made very clear in this hadith ya ma'ashar shabab man istata'a minkum al-ba'ata falyatazawwaj wa man lam yastati' fa'alayhi bis-sawm fa inna as-sawm lahu wijaun oh young people among you those people who can afford to marry they must marry affording means what that they you know they must provide accommodation expenses if they can't do that they should marry if they cannot do that and they have become young and when people become young they have desire and to control the desire is either you marry or fast if you cannot afford the marriage then you must keep fasting there no no third way the young people basically have only two choices if they can afford the marriage they marry if they cannot afford the marriage then they must keep fasting there's no third way and that's why i can see there's so much impurity in the society because there are young people young men and women they have reached the age of marriage and they are not marrying among them there are many who can afford the marriage and they are not marrying and among them there are many who cannot afford the marriage but they are not fasting because they are not following the command of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that why there are corruption in the in the society and the prophet sallallahu alaihi said when your daughters they reach the age of marriage if you don't marry them then there will be a lot of corruption and mischief and fasad in in the earth you know people reach to the age of marriage and young people you know just imagine really if somebody is hungry and you don't provide food and and you specifically that person can control his desire how is possible the desire is made actually people people need food halal food when the people are hungry you have to provide halal food they have to work for that when people reach to the age of marriage there must be marriage and the desire for the marriage for the relation is stronger than the desire for the food and drink it is stronger much more stronger so that's why the hadith makes very clear whenever people reach the age of marriage if they can afford then they must marry if they cannot afford then the best way basically for them is that to keep fasting and that's why from this hadith and from many other evidences in the quran and sunnah the ulama had made very clear that sometimes the marriage is obligatory sometimes marriage is only sunnah sometimes may be recommended mustahab sometimes it is allowed and sometimes it is haram and not allowed so we have to understand all these stages when marriage is obligatory marriage is obligatory in islam when somebody can afford the marriage and he think that you know if he does not do the marriage if he does not marry he can involve in haram he can do a sin if somebody feels like that then the marriage becomes obligatory on that person any young person who think if he does not marry he can fall in the haram and he has enough money enough resources that he can marry then the marriage obligatory on that person for the wajib on that person he should marry if the person actually does not have such a strong desire 
you know, he does not have such a strong drive, he thinks he can control his desire, but he still, uh, still can afford the marriage. He can afford the marriage, but the desire is not so strong, and he, he is a very strong person, very pious person. He thinks that he can control the desire. Still, it is sunnah for him to marry. If he can afford the marriage, it is sunnah. And the Prophet actually encouraged people that they should follow the sunnah. And you can see really all the prophets who can be better in controlling the desire than the prophets and messengers. And the Quran said that, you know, oh, Prophet Muhammad before you were sent the messengers and they had wives and children. They also got married. And Abdullah Abbas used to say that the people who are best in this ummah, they are the people who used to have more wives. So, you know, even the people who are more pious, they want to have married. Abdullah ibn Masood used to say that if I am go about to die and only few days are left from my life and I don't have a wife, I will marry, then I will die. I don't want to die without wife, without marriage. That's how they used to say. So if somebody actually has full control of the desire and he thinks he will not fall in the sin, but he can afford the marriage, still, still sunnah prefer that he should marry. That is the you know, opinion of Imam Hanifa ta'ala, and many, many jurists in Islam, they prefer the marriage over being lonely and, uh, because it is one of the ibadah. And the person who does this ibadah, he gets reward for that because you, know, you are looking after a person. You know, I think there are you know, hadith of the Prophet the woman was forgiven, a woman, she was very sinful. And she was forgiven, why? Because once, once she saw a dog who was thirsty. And she just, you know, made arrangement to give water to the dog and, you know, quench its thirst and, you know, and because of that, Allah subhanahu ta'ala forgave all her sins. You know, if people can be forgiven because they, you know, they helped a dog, you know, if you bring a wife and look after her and feed her and earn money for her, you know, your sins will be forgiven. Whenever people earn money, they spend on themselves, they spend on their wives, on their families, on their children, on their friends. They get reward for that, that earning. They get a reward for that, that spending. So that's why it is such a big thing in Islam. It is a matter of the reward. That's why the people who have two wives and they spend on them properly and they do full justice, they get more reward. Because spending money on two people, not easy. You, know, it, it, you have to earn more money. That's why the people, somebody has got three wives, you know, you have to provide three accommodation. And expensive for all of them, you have to earn money. You know, if people get reward, that's why the Prophet at once he had nine wives. So how much reward are there? We are not allowed that because we, you know, for us, even if to afford one person is so difficult anyway, and many people so weak. But I'm telling you, the reason that these people have got so many wives because they, they, their reward is so high. The Prophet reward, you know, for every single wife, how much reward he gets. Just imagine, and then when difficulty in the family life, and you do sabr and become passion, how much reward is there? And sometimes the Prophet's wives, they, you know, they are also human beings, they are not prophets. Sometimes they used to make some problems. And the Prophet is so nice to them. And they get a reward. And you can you take a lesson from, from the Prophet how nice he used to be. Once the Prophet was in the house of Aisha and some guests came, some visitors came to see the Prophet. He didn't have anything in the house to offer, offer to the guest. Then his another wife, she sent something as a gift for the, for the, uh, you know, for, for the guests. And she sent something in a plate. When the plate with the food came to the Prophet Aisha because it was in her house and food is coming for the house of her other wife. So she felt some jealousy because you know this is the human nature. You know, it is not against piety, you know, she felt jealousy. She came and she hit the plate and the plate fell down and it was broken and all the food and, and now the Prophet in front of his guest, you know, if I am there 
I think I'm so much insulted and humiliated. I become angry with my wife and divorce and all those problems will rise. The Prophet ﷺ, nothing. This happened, he just got on the ground so humble, knowing the limits. He got the food, collected the food to offer the, uh, his guests and he said to his guests, that your mother is angry because Aisha Allah, she is Ummul Mumineen, mother of the believers. So he said, your mother is angry, but he is also just because she has broken a plate which is not owned by her. So then the Prophet said, you have to buy another plate to give in compensation because that was not yours. So you see how nice he is. So you know, when people marry, there is a problem difficulty. And then you, you know, when you solve the problem, you get reward for that. So that what is sunnah really, that what is ibadah. Even the people who can control the desire, when they marry, they got so much reward, that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had made actually, you know, it, it's sunnah, you know, from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and, and no doubt helping, uh, helping Muslim families. If people cannot afford the marriage, and, uh, you know, and then, and they see if they don't, you know, if, if don't marry, they fall in the sin then it is not allowed for that person to marry because you cannot afford anyway you know you 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 don't have anything that you we don't allow people you know to bring another person in your house and she is going to die out of hunger you don't have anything so then the thing is that you don't marry for some people like that sometimes marry will be makruh and sometimes even haram or you know for somebody who can control the equity and does not have, does not afford the marriage should not marry so anybody who cannot afford the marriage the way solution in islam is that the person must keep fasting. So this actually is the first thing to learn is the hakam about the about the marriage. Sometimes the marriage actually is uh, you know obligatory for the sometimes it is sunnah and sometimes it is mubah and sometimes it is makru or sometimes it is haram. This we have to know. Before the marriage because we want really marriage something to be lasting. Marriage in Islam is for lasting. That intention. Though there is a divorce also in Islam I'll tell you later on. But the basic thing in marriage actually is the marriage must be people's intention must be that I marry someone you know, forever. I'm not marrying for one month or two months or three months. If somebody makes intention like that, it is not allowed. You are not allowed to marry a woman for three months, for four months, for five months. It's not allowed. You have to marry her even if you divorce her after one month, that's a different matter. But the intention should be that you are marrying a woman for life. Then if problems happen, that's a different matter. So marriage should be for life. Keep in mind, marriage is for life, it is not temporary enjoyment. It is for life. That's why Muta'a, temporary marriage, it is basically adultery in Islam. It is not allowed. It, it, it never can be, never has been allowed. You know, no companion of the Prophet ﷺ and no Imam never have done this thing. So marriage is permanent. It is actually something which is lasting. Since it is lasting, so we want to make it actually in a way that, you know, people can get together, they understand each other, each other so they know and, they, they, and they, they, they marry after knowing. It is very bad really that you know the, you don't know about the person and then you marry and then you know a divorce. You know, that thing you have to done before. Before contract, you have to, for example, if you go to buy something, you know, you have to know actually what you're buying. Then you make a contract and you do buy your transaction and then after they go home. But it is not that you buy it, then after that you make your mind. So before the marriage, people have to make their mind what they are looking for. So they have to choose. So that is actually very important. Before the marriage, young men and women, they have a you know, full right in Islam to choose what they want. It is their right. They have a right to choose whatever they like. Because it is contact between two, two, two young people, between men and women, they have full right to choose. That And the Prophet actually has allowed that. And, you know, and when you choose really, what is criteria? The Prophet has said, some people marry, because of the money, because you know, they think the other person is so rich, if I marry that person, him, I become rich. 
Some people marry because of the family, because they say so and so's family is very good and a very noble family. If I marry, nobility come to me as well. Some people marry because of the beauty. They think so and so is so attractive, so beautiful. If I marry, you know, I enjoy the life. And some people marry because of the piety and the religion. And then the Prophet said, you should marry the woman, the person who is marrying, you know, for the religion, for piety. Because if the person is not pious, then his, his or her beauty is not for you. Because you cannot trust that person. If the person is not pious, the wealth of that person is not to benefit you. If the person is not pious, his family, nobility, is not going to, not going to benefit you. The thing for looking actually is that you look for someone who is pious. The person who has fear of Allah, that's what you have to look. Make it very clear. Don't go for the temporary thing actually. That's why Islam does not want Muslims that they look only something which is present. They should look actually for... Because when you marry someone, understand this thing very clearly. You are not marrying for that day. You are marrying for life. That person's beauty and attraction, they are only for 10 or 15 years. After that, the beauty will go. If you are marrying for the money, money can come and go. The only thing that can remain actually, not only remain, which actually can actually you know, uh, grow and grow and become better and better, it is actually piety. When people are pious, every day they become more pious. The piety grows. Beauty declines. Everything else can change. But the piety, it always improves. That's why people have to look for that. If you are marrying someone for the beauty, then after five or ten years, you will not like that person. Because the beauty has gone. You know, somebody, uh, you know, it, uh, I was told that somebody, whenever he used to go to see a girl for marriage, to after seeing her, he also, uh, you know, requested to see her mother. So people say, you are marrying her, you are not marrying her mother. So why are you interested in her mother? So he said, because I want to know that after 20 years, how my wife will look. <laughs> you know, the, the thing is, you know, it's not 20 years, it's for her whole life. So, you know, it doesn't make any difference. The thing is, look for the piety, fear of Allah ta'ala. If the person actually, it has such a beauty really, that you forget everything really. You know, if you know if there's a woman in the world, you know, in a corner, she's pious and near to Allah ta'ala, people will travel to see her. Even if she's old, even if she's very ugly, whatever. But if she's pious, people will go on, people will love her. You know, when piety comes, love Allah ta'ala put the love in the heart. So, love, you know, look for that. And before getting married, make yourself pious. You're looking for a pious partner. You should be pious as well. You should know how to how to how to bear your anger, how to tolerate tolerate things, how to be patient, how to control your anger. You know, if you become very quickly angry, you can you are not allowed to be with anybody. You cannot have any friend. People who become angry very quickly, they never can have a friend. How can you have a companion? How can you have a wife? How can you have a husband? People before marrying, you have to prepare yourself. You become pious. Fear of Allah Taala. Fear Allah of Allah makes you to know your limits. So you don't become angry. You know that you know you have a limit. So if your wife is not you know has some problem, you have to bear it. You cannot you know you cannot say what you are like because she is not made by you. She is not your creation. She is Allah's creation, Allah's family. You are only husband. Similarly, women should know that the husbands you know they have to treat them properly. So people have to learn this thing. How to live with someone? How to make somebody companion your wife? And your husband, they're your companions. They're not your servants. The companions they're going to that the Quran actually said about wife, Sahiba. Sahiba means a companion. That's another name for wife. So she's your companion. So you have to respect her as a companion. Full respect. Actually, Islam me keeps making all the time. And the Prophet says, if you see from your wife something which makes you angry and upset, don't worry. Soon you will see something that you that pleases you. 
Because human being, sometimes she will be, sometimes her mood will be upset. She is not, you know, a machine that, you know, you, you turn her as, as you like. She is a human being. She has got a mind, she has got a will, she can be angry, she sometimes is not feeling well. Sometimes she gets a news from her family, her father, somebody is not well, so she becomes upset. And you think that whenever you turn to house, she should be smiling. No, impossible. He's a human being. You know, that events also can affect her. Problems can affect her as well. So one has to understand this. People have, before marriage, people have to learn these things. So when you marry someone, the way is basically, when you choose, go for the piety. And before, before going for the piety, make yourself pious. But it is injustice, wrong really, that you expect the other person to be pious and God-fearing, and yourself not God-fearing. If both of them are God-fearing and they're pious, it will be very, very rare that they divorce. It will not happen. Pious people, you know, it will happen. Sometimes pious people also divorce, but it will be very rare. Most time when the divorce is happening, basically, is because people are arrogant. People don't know their limits. People don't understand it is ibadah, that the divorce happened. People become arrogant. People expect from, from their partner something which is not, what, not there. People be, don't understand their limits. You exceed the limit and then you become angry and then you divorce. When you are pious, you will know your limit. You will be humble. You will not be arrogant. You respect the other person and you will know that every suffering that you have in the path of the marriage, you get reward for that. It is ibadah. So that's why the ulama make very clear before the marriage, you make yourself pious and God create the fear of Allah to your heart. And similarly, when you choose a partner, she also should be someone who fears Allah You look for that purpose. But no doubt Allah has made appearance of the people you know, also very important. Because they declare something and they tell you that is something quick which make you to be interested in someone. To so look for the party, find out about that. And you find out that the person actually can control their anger. Then after that you are allowed to look at the person. You know, the people are allowed, and the Prophet has allowed that you know, if somebody wants to marry someone, they are allowed to see each other, but not more than that. You know, it is not that you know you keep you know uh, meeting again and again before the marriage and you keep texting and you know keep you know emailing and keep phoning. <coughs> this is not allowed because any of these things with the desire. And actually, I have seen actually, there are many many people. You know, they start all those things and they start problem before the marriage. Because, you know, when you start doing these things, sometimes there, there are problems. So only you need to see the person once. And if you want to know more, ask other people. And they get married. So this actually is actually the main thing. That the people are allowed to choose. And the, uh, the criteria for choosing should be the piety and the fear of Allah ta'ala. And people are also allowed to meet and see. But that should be once, you know, what needed. And more than that, you can find out from others. And after that, you have still, if you are not married, you are not allowed to keep meeting, keep talking, because that actually shaitan can come and there are many, many problems. So Islam does not allow something like that. So that actually keep in, in, in mind. After that, second thing actually is that the marriage in Islam is between these two people. Though no doubt, it brings a new relation and also the family becomes involved <coughs> and it will become like a true family. But basically, marriage is a contract between young men and young women. It is their will. It is their, their marriage. So that's why the family people should not force anything, should not impose their own ideas. They can advise. A father is allowed, but actually encouraged, to advise his son or his daughter. A mother is allowed to, you know, and is encouraged to advise and to support and help their children. But they are not allowed to force. It is not allowed that you know. You think really, if I if I marry my my son to one of his cousin in Pakistan or in you know in India, then they can come to this country. 
this is not the reason of the marriage. It's not, it's between their marriage. You, you are not allowed to do like that. So parents are not allowed to force their children to marry whoever they like. Aisha narrates it in Hadith of Sahih Bukhari and other books of Hadith as well. She narrates that once young girl came to my house and the Prophet was not there. So I asked her why you have come. She said that my father is forcing me to marry someone who I don't like. So she said, okay, wait until the Prophet comes. When the Prophet came, she said, this young girl, that my father is forcing me to marry someone who I don't like. The Prophet made very clear that the fathers have no right to force their children to marry whoever they want, if they don't like. It's not allowed. Fathers only are allowed to help them, to support them, to encourage them, but they are not allowed to impose their own will. And that way, because there's so much corruption happening really. There are many, many parents that don't understand this basic thing and they're ruining the life of their own sons and their own daughters. And for the sake of someone, they want to bring from, from, from Pakistan or from India or from, from Bangladesh. For that purpose, they're ruining the life of so many people. This is not allowed. You know, the fathers and mothers are to help people. They're not allowed to ruin the life of the people. They, they must be more sincere to their children than anyone else. So if your son does not want to marry someone, don't force him. If your daughter does not want to marry someone, don't force her. It is her marriage. She has proper will and the Prophet has made very clear, I'll be close to Stamaru. You know, young, younger, virgin or you know what, and, and even Saiba, for both of them, the Prophet has said that they must be, you know, their permission must be taken. They must be asked. They must be informed that, you know, I have chosen so and so for you. Uh, do you want that or not? If she does not agree, don't impose upon her. So young boy, a young girl, both of them have full right to marry whoever they want. The family only has, you know, to support them, to help them, and to find, to advise them. But they are not allowed to impose anything upon them. So this actually means thing. Then after that, when the young people are agree to marry, then after that the contract will be between these two young. Contract is not between family and family. Contract is between the man who is marrying and between the woman who is getting married. Contract is between both of them, not between the family. That how contract will be. It is their will. It is their consent. Their consent, consent make the marriage to happen. In Islamic tradition, it is encouraged that women make their own representative because very often women feel shyness so they can make their father or their brother or somebody in their family or somebody else they want, they can make to represent them. That we call wali. So women can find their own wali. And in some schools of Islamic law, some people, uh, you know, it is, it is obligatory on the women to find their own wali. Because, you know, the wording of women, it's it's that enough. In Hanafi Madhab, it is recommended, it is encouraged that women, you know, find their own wali, but it is not obligatory on them. So in Hanafi Madhab, uh, marriage can be valid with the wording of the woman. For example, if a man said to a woman in front of two people, I married you. And she said, yes, in Hanafi Madhab, the marriage is valid. So what we need actually consent of these two people, the, those who are getting married, and then two witnesses. If we have two witnesses, two male witnesses, they come to many jurists, or one male or two female witnesses, they are there. And young man said to a woman, I married you. And she said, yes, in front of these two witnesses, the marriage will be done. Though there are also obligation of the mahr, which I'll tell later on, this thing. For the, for the men, it's very important that they express their consent. That they say, I married. For the women, because women are more modest, more shy, you know, you can see really, especially in Muslim families, so that's why Islam has given them more choices. To Islamic law is, if a man says to a woman, I married you, and she remains quiet in front of two witnesses, 
the marriage is valid because women don't want to say to her quietness means she agreed unless she says i know if she is quiet it's still fine if she laughs or she smiles that's also yes because she happy that why she smiling to you know she then say that it's matter if she cries that is also yes why she's crying because you know she know that when she get married then she's going to leave her parent her family so she's crying because of that so she, that also fine basically the islamic law is if a woman remains quiet in the time of the contract or she says yes or she smiles or she cries in all those cases it is yes except if she said no then it is no in front of two two witnesses what else actually also men need mahar you know mahar does not mean that you are selling your daughter your sister not selling the islamic law basically is that when money comes then the matter becomes more serious whenever it is if you make things without the money people never take it serious and islam wants to make this this contract to be very very serious so that why the you know mahar is there in you know, dowry is there so it is obligatory on the men when they marry that they pay a dowry to their wives future wives that can be any amount in harfi in harfi school there is certain amount you know it can't be less than that but recommended amount is that you pay your wife you know that mahar which is mahar of the women in her age and in her background for that poor woman she has studied you know in from in in cambridge university and she's young to find out when the women with that status they get married how much dowry is there you should give that because that is recommended that actually is, but otherwise whatever they agree that's fine so it can be 1000 pound 2000 pound 3000 pound whatever people agree that is their mahar and there is minimum mahar as well but men should be keen to pay that mahar which is the mahar of the women in that age and with that background whatever the, this is the mahar men actually are encouraged to give the mahar as soon as possible but if they cannot afford that they are allowed to pay half part of the mahar at the time of the contract and part of the mahar later on you know make intention properly and give properly the intention should not be that after the marriage i will ask my wife to forgive my mahar this should not be intention this is not because you know it is her legal right you know people have to to pay her basically in islamic law there is no expenses on the on the women or on the family of the women in the marriage no no expense on them so mahar will be duty of the husband in hindu tradition you can see really when there is a marriage happening all the burden on the family of the of the girl you know the people of the you know big number of the people they come from the family of the boy they eat and drink and all those expenses you know this actually is jahiliya no doubt this is not from islamic islamic law the expenses should be only on the men so the man has to pay the mahar and then after that it is recommended it is sunna of the prophet sallallahu alaihi that after the contract you know before they meet together or after that you know there should be walima walima means a feast you know where you know from the side of for you know the man he should arrange for a feast you know it should be modest it should not expect too much because hadith of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that you know aqallu aqallu nikah barakatan aktharuhu maunatan that nikah that marriage has least baraka which has more expenses if people spend more money in the nikah it gets less baraka so that nikah has more baraka which has least expenses so don't exaggerate don't do this because of the you know because of the name do things for you know what is necessary so people should do walima feast but what you can afford you cannot afford too much do exactly one dish fine one thing fine if you cannot afford anything then the one way is 
that you ask all your relatives or your friends, they bring a dish from their home and then eat together. You don't need to make anything. You don't need to borrow money for that. No, you basically ask everybody that we are going to have walima and we don't have enough money to afford it. So everybody brings something from their home and then we eat together. One of the walima of the Prophet was like that. He didn't make any food. He asked everybody to bring their own food and they brought it and they had. And who is actually better than the Prophet If he did this, this is allowed. So don't exaggerate. Don't make you know, too, too, too many things for this thing. So this actually is the contract of the marriage. When the husband and wife, they live together, they must understand properly that you know, this, this marriage, the relation, it is not just enjoyment. I mentioned the purpose must be very clear. It is basically for the purpose of the family. They are going to make a family. So that's why they should be keen to have children. To, to use any of those methods where you don't have children and just enjoyment, it is not encouraged. And sometimes those, those, those methods, those, those things, sometimes they are makruh and sometimes they are in haram. So one has to understand this thing, ask the ulama, ask mufti of your year, you know, about specific things. But the thing is, the intention should be that now got married, I should have children. That is the whole purpose of the marriage. So people should be happy. You know, children are favored from Allah don't, don't consider them as a burden. You know, the way we are living in the society, we think really that, you know, we, I am free. If I get children, you know, more problem, more responsibility, more earning money. That's why life is actually easy. You are a man, you know, you are a brave person. You have to take responsibility. You know, when you get children, you look after them, you earn money for them, you educate them, teach them, you have to, you know, you have to move in your life. You know, you are not no more same person. You know, Allah SWT has made the life that you are a child, you grow up, you marry, you become father, you become grandfather. This is how life is. So don't stop those stages. So when you get married, intention should be that you are going to have family. So don't use any of those methods which are going to stop people from having children. It is not encouraged, except in some cases which you can ask from mufti. And that's why, because of these reasons, because of any other reason, men are not allowed to have a relation with their wives in those conditions when they are not pure. You know, one of the impurity of the women is called the Arabic language Hayd. You know, they are in a monthly cycle. So when they are in those conditions, then men are not allowed to have relation with their women. The Quran has said very clearly, in those days, don't come near to their, your wives. The Prophet ﷺ, his wife say, when, when they used to be in those conditions of the impurity, he used to ask them to cover their proper, uh, private part properly and he used to lie with them. Lying with your wife in that condition, fine. You can kiss, you can touch, everything fine. But having relation in that condition is not allowed. People have to learn this thing. That haram. People get sin if they do any relation in their condition. That's not the Quran has made it very clear. So people have to learn. Similarly, the relation that men are going to have with their wives, that relation basically is for the purpose of the family and children. So that should be in the right place. Is exceeding the limit and enjoying you know, with those parts of the body which Allah has forbidden, it is haram. So people must know very clearly. Don't copy other people. Don't copy other cultures. Don't copy those people who have no rule and no law. You know, you are, you are pure people. You, are, you have got revelation from, from the heaven. So, you know, follow that revelation. You know, this is not just mere enjoyment. So this is actually about relation. Then men and women, whenever they have you know, their private life, that private life is secret between men and women. Because the Quran said that your wives, they are garment for you and you are garment for them. It is actually life, you know, 
which is secret. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want that life to become public. So men and women, they are not allowed to talk about those things what they do in the private to anybody else. That's a very, very bad manner. For any man, it is very bad manner to come to your friend and you say what you have been doing with your wife. Similarly, with women, it, for women, it's very bad. It is not allowed in Islam to tell people what they have been doing. This is, this, this is a secret and a private thing. This is never allowed. To keep that as secret. That should be a private place. That should be secret and people should not be able to do this thing. Then after that, when we are, you are living together, understand this thing very clearly that you are a, both of you are human being both you have to two different minds you have got two different wills you have got two different bodies it's impossible that you always are the same it's impossible that two different people they must differ from each other so it could be sometime that your wife does something which you don't like it could be sometime that your husband does something that you don't like Sometimes it could be that you know something upsetting you it is necessary it happens it happens with the prophet and messengers you know leave us the Prophet very often there used to be problem between him and Aisha. And Aisha was one of his most beloved wife. He loved her so much. But there have been problems between, between him and her. And I, uh, the Prophet said to Aisha, oh Aisha, I know when you are angry with me and I also know when you are happy with me. So she said, how do you know? So the Prophet said, when you are happy with me, so when you take oath, you say, La warabbi Muhammad. You know, by the Lord of Muhammad, you make it. When you are angry with me, then you say, La warabbi Ibrahim. You know, by the Lord of Ibrahim al Islam. So Aisha said, It is only your name that I don't mention, but in my heart, you, I love you. Even when I am angry, just I, you know, so this thing. So even you see Aisha is not angry. Once Aisha was, you know, there was some argument between the Prophet and Aisha and her, and Abu Qasadiq came. He is the best man you know, on the face of the earth after, after the Prophet's messenger. So much respect for the Prophet. How can he see his, his, his daughter arguing, arguing the Prophet? He became angry and he wanted to hit her. Then the Prophet came in between and stopped him. And after that, Abu Qasadiq left. So then the Prophet said to Asha, Don't you see how I helped you from this man, from your father? Then she came happy and they started laughing. And then Abu Qasadiq heard their laughing. So he came inside. And he said, made me, make me to share your happiness as you made me to share your, 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 your fighting and your argument. So see, even the Prophet you know, used to, sometimes arguments to happen, he allowed that. You know, once his wife said to him that when, you know, you were poor and there was nothing there, we used to, we accepted that, you know, we, we never complained and we lived as you lived. Sometimes there's food, sometimes there's no food. But now the conquest is happening and the money is coming from everywhere. And whenever the money comes, the booty comes, the ghanima comes, you give to all the people, but you don't give anything to us. Because the Prophet whenever anything used to come, he used to give to the Muhajir and Sar and their children, never for his family. Even Fatima, when she came and asked the Prophet if you can give me a slave as you give me to everybody, so he can help me. So the Prophet said to his daughter, you know, should I not tell you something better than that? She asked what? He said, that, you know, you, after the prayers, you say 33 times, subhanAllah, 33 times, alhamdulillah, 33 times, Allah, but that is better than the salib. You see, this is how the messenger is. In a worldly person, when they get a position, they want first their family to be corrected and enjoy that. The Prophet, when he's getting money, he does not give any. His family is the one who is most suffering. But when everything comes, still they don't enjoy. So his wife came to him, wife, uh, wife came to him and said to him, that, uh, you know, now you have got all these things, eh, at least give to us something. The Prophet wanted the stand of his family to be higher, like him. 
he did not like that so he decided not to see them for a month he left his wife for for a month then after that the revelation came into in, in, in the one it is long story in, in the books of the hadith after that revelation came to the prophet and said go to your wives and tell them among you those who want to choose allah as messenger with the poverty they can choose allah as messenger those who want the worldly benefit i will give you some money and some clothes and something and they leave me nicely that was the choice given you know very often people say that you know, prophet muhammad had married aisha she was young you know it is forced marriage this marriage and nine wives you know now see time has come the prophet has come to all his wives that you have full right to choose me or leave me if aisha was forced to marry this was the best time for her to choose something else the prophet has come to aisha and said oh aisha this revelation has come to me but don't rush go and consult your parent why the prophet said this because he thought Aisha's young girl maybe because of the money and things like that she chooses to leave me so it will be harming her so he asked her if you can go and consult your parent they will never, never advise this so the prophet out of sincerity he said to Aisha go and consult your parent about this verse of the Quran you are going to choose me or you are to choose leave me Aisha Allah, she is the most intelligent person you can imagine really in the history, among the, in the history of the women she said, oh, Allah the messenger, I am going to consult about you, my parent. I have chosen Allah and his messenger. So the person became very happy. Now Aisha, she is human. She realized that after this, the Prophet will go to other wives. And they will ask her what Aisha has said. And they will copy me. So he, she said to the Prophet when you go to your other wives, if they ask you what I have said, don't tell them. <laughs> so the Prophet said, oh Aisha, I have been sent a Muslim teacher. If they ask me, I will tell. If they don't ask me, I will not tell. If they ask me, I will tell because I am Muslim, I am a teacher. And exactly that happened. When he went to other wives, they asked him what Aisha has said. Then he said, yes, yeah, she has chosen me. So then all of them, they followed Aisha and they chose him. You see, the problems used to happen. But nice, this is how it happened. You know, men should be brave enough to solve the problem. It is very bad for a man. You come to a house, your wife upset a divorce and separation and break the, you know, parts and, you know, and throw the food. This is madness. This is not human being. Learn how to control the anger. Learn how to behave like a man. You know, I, uh, once I was in India, in the you know, the case came that a, a farmer in Kashmir, he came to his house, was so angry, he divorced his wife 100 times. Do you want this? You know, it, it don't exceed the limit. Allah has made a limit for you. Divorce only once. You are even not allowed to divorce three times in the same, same, same assembly. It is actually makroo. People get sin for that purpose. And you are saying 100 times, who has given you right for 100 times? Learn something. Behave normally. You are mad does not mean that you are mad. You know, you are mad still you are slave of Allah Learn how to behave. You know, don't think that your wife, she is your slave and you can do whatever you like. She is, she, she is the slave of Allah Taala. If you don't respect her, Allah is looking. And any sin that you do, any mistake that you do, Allah is counting that. If you think that you can do injustice to your wife, Allah, Allah can take revenge from you. You know, know your limit. You are not allowed to, do, to be unjust. You are not allowed to wrong. You know, people, many, many people, many men don't know their limits. Allah, the messenger, knows his limits. The Prophet Muhammad he knows his limits. So he's a messenger, he's chosen, he's the best person to in the eye of Allah SWT, but he knows his limits. He never exceeds the limits. You see, his, his wife was uh, accused of adultery. What did he do? Tell me. Tell me if your wife, uh, 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 any of us, uh, our wives are accused of adultery, what will he do? 
you know, he is the best person. He's the messenger, he's prophet, and how much pain he has got. You know, imagine in any noble person in the society, his wife has been accused of adultery, and everybody talks about that. How he will feel? How much shame will be there? How much insult will be there? He will be mad. He will be to do whatever he can do. But the Prophet knows, he knows his limit. He has been accused. His wife has been accused. But really see how he is. He is the example of all the person, messenger. Still he knows his limits. He never hurts her. He never harms her. And Aisha, I never tells her to leave me. Aisha is not new from somewhere else. And then she said to the Prophet because she wanted to know, is it true or not that people are accusing me? So she said to the Prophet can you allow me to go to, to my, my parent? And the Prophet said, yeah, you can go. She wanted to find out from her parent. She came there, long story. And then after that, Prophet came to Aisha and he, he was there. Aisha is there. Her parents are there. You know, Abu Qasdiq and her mother, Umm Ruman. All of them are, all the family is there. And the Prophet made a speech, a small speech. He said, oh Aisha, if you have done this sin, if you have done the sin, then repent, repent to Allah He is all forgiving. You see, how he knows the limits. Can, can we do like that? There are people, if their daughter or somebody accused of adultery or something happened, they kill them. them. Are you allowed to kill the person? Allah is more forgiving. You know, if somebody kills his father, someone kills his father, and does adultery to his mother, and then he comes to Allah to repent to him, Allah can forgive him. Who, who we are to interfere? Allah the messenger cannot interfere. Who has more ghaira than, than, than Allah the messenger? But Allah the messenger said to Aisha, Allah, Aisha, if you have done this sin, then repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he will forgive. She never did anything anyway. But see the Prophet how nice he is. Even in that moment, he is not angry. Maybe he is angry, but he knows his limits. He does not exceed the limit. He said to nicely to his wife, Oh Aisha, if you have done the sin, then repent, Allah will forgive. But she never did anything. When the person finished the speech, then she asked her father, Oh my father, answer the Prophet Abu Qasiddiq said, oh, I don't know what to say. Then Aisha said to her mother, Umm Ruman, Oh my mother, answer the Prophet She said, I don't know what to say. And Aisha said, I was a young girl. I did not even read enough Quran. I just knew a little bit in the Quran. I did not know much about the Quran. When nobody said anything, then I started saying, and I say that, you know, if I say what you people are saying, and Allah knows that I never have done, you will believe me. And if I say I never have done, you are not going to believe in me. My example and your example is like Yaqub al Islam. But he didn't, she said, at that moment, out of grief, I forgot the name of Yaqub al Islam. So I said, my example and your example is like the father of Yusuf al Islam, Fasabarun Jamil. Good passion. And she said, then I turned my face away from the Prophet on the other side. And she said, it was just immediately after that, because it was the last thing in her life, really, such a full of the pain. So immediately revelation came. She said, actually, I used to think that one day the Prophet will see a dream and he will know about my purity. Allah will show him dream. And I never knew that Allah will send a Quran about me. Because I never thought that I, I, I am that person. I was thinking myself so low that a Quran can come about me. I only think of the dream. And then the Quran came to the Prophet And she said, the Prophet face was you know, changing in the same way as when the revelation should come. It was very, very heavy on the Prophet and after revelation completed, then his face became, you know, light, you know, lightning and very happy. And she, he said, Oh Aisha, get the good news. Allah has revealed your purity from above the seven heaven. And then he read all those verses of the Quran, where actually this, and then, you know, all family became, you know, so much happy because, you know, the problem is solved. Then Umm Ruman said to Aisha, Oh Aisha, 
stand up to the Prophet to thank him. Aisha said, no, la aqoomu ilayhi. I will not stand to him. I will go and choose sajda to my Lord. And, how, and the Prophet did not mind because he only came to teach people to worship Allah Taala. He did not come the people worship him. So he did not mind. This, you see how the Prophet knows his limit. She said, no, I will not stand to him. He did not mind. He is smiling. Because this is how he taught us. Now we think, a teacher think that people should start standing for me and respecting me. No, if you teach people to worship Allah and then worship him, you should be happy. That's what you have been teaching. Allah the Messenger did not mind. You see, Allah the Messenger, the Prophet Muhammad the best person on the face of the earth. Nobody equal to him. He knows his limits and we don't know the limit. Be humble. Don't be arrogant. You know, and be nice with the women. Anasad Allah one of the great companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hadith in Sahih Bukhari, he said, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam once said about women something, if I say, you people will accuse me that I am a bad person. And the Prophet said such a thing to, to, about the women. Once we were traveling with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and there was somebody you know, singing, and you know, the song was something which can affect the, and the women were there, affect the heart. To what he said, and people were very fast in, 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 in traveling, what he said, Rifqan bil qawareer, Rifqan bil qawareer, be soft with the glasses. He called the women glasses, you see, how, how he used to be soft with the women. You know, Anas Abdullah himself narrated hadith in, in Sahih Bukhari, in, in Sahih Muslim, and uh, other books of the hadith, that Anas Abdullah narrates that once I, uh, uh, the Prophet was in his house, one of his neighbors was a tailor, Persian tailor from Iran. He came to the Prophet and said, I have made a food in my home. I want you to come and have dinner with me. The Prophet said, Wahadihi. This one as well. Aisha was there sitting. So he said, Can my wife Aisha can come as well? <coughs> the person, you know, he did not have enough food. He only had food which is enough for the Prophet. He said, No. I can, you know, she cannot come because I nothing. She, he said, No. So then the Prophet said, Then I cannot come. La, no. The person left. Then he came second time and he said, ask the Prophet, can you come to my house for the dinner? The Prophet said, Wahadihi, and this one as well, my wife. He said, no. The Prophet then no. Then he left. Third time he came and he said, can you come for the dinner in my house? The Prophet said, Wahadihi, this one as well. He said, yes. Then the Prophet said, happy. Then, then Anas al narrates, they were so happy that they both left the house. They were pushing each other. If you see a alim pushing his wife on the street, you will be thinking he is not an alim. You know how, how, how bad he is. The Prophet Messenger chosen person. He is pushing his wife and she is pushing and both happy and walking in the street. And Anas uh, seeing. You know, this is how he to be. No, he is older. By that he was around 55 years old. And he is a messenger. But he brings himself to the level when he can please his wife. You know, he, he makes effort to that. You know, it's not easy. You know, pleasing anybody not easy. It needs effort. See how he is? He becomes like his, her age, playing with her. And Ashraf al says that once the Prophet وسلم, had race with me. Tell me where race happens. Does it happen in the house? House is so small, race must happen sometime outside, in, in a field. She said the Prophet had race with me, and then I won the race. And then after a few years, when I got some, you know, some fight, you know, because I, you know, I become, because that time I was, a, you know, a lighter, so I was the winner of the, when I put on some fight, then the Prophet had another race with me. And that time, he won the race. And then the Prophet said, Oh, Aisha, hadhi bitilka. This race is for that one. You know, that time you won, now I won. You see how he's made it. You know, make your house like that. You know, Allah's, Allah's messenger, he knows the limits. And most of us, we don't understand our limits.
learn to know the limit. Actually, this is the problem not only for, for wife and husband. In every single moment, really, people don't understand limits. You know, like I have seen so many times cases, really, you know, so many problems between the, in the mosque, between the mosque community and between the imam. <coughs> people don't understand the limits, their limits. The way they talk with the imams, the way they treat them, it is beyond the limit. It could be that you do injustice. It could be that you can dishonor somebody, but you don't know that Allah is above you. You don't have that. You have a limit. You should learn how to respect the people. How to respect an alim. How to respect him. You have to learn this. You think because of money and because you have got a position, you are trustee or chairman or director, you think you can do whatever you like. There are limits for you. You are not allowed to exceed the limit. Similarly, the imams, they have got the limit. So they are not allowed to be bothered to, you know, to, to, do, to harm a, a, anybody who follows. Imam is imam and the followers are followers, but they have got limit. We people have forgot the limits. Similarly, father, fathers have limit. It is not that you think your children, yourself, you can do whatever you like. No, you have your response to make them happy, to teach them properly, learn your, your limit. We people don't understand our limits. Allah SWT made limits for everybody. For everybody, the hudud, the hudud Allah, those people who exceed the limits, then Allah SWT cannot tolerate them. You know, the problem is this, don't be arrogant, you know, learn this thing, be humble in the life, learn your limits and follow the limits, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be happy, then the barakah will come to the family, to learn this thing, it's very, very important in the family life that everybody, husband, wife, they learn their limits, they are not arrogant, and then learn how to respect each other, this is very important, really. when you talk to your wife, have nice sentence, say things which can make her happy. Similarly, she should say something which can make the husband happy. You know, when they talk with each other, sometimes nice stories. You know, it is very bad that you come to your house angry and in mood and this and that and don't talk with your wife and slept and in the morning you left and no. No, it's a family. The Prophet sometimes used to tell nice stories to his wife. And once the Prophet said, Hadith in Sahih Bukhari, he told Aisha Latana a story of nine women. These nine women, you know, it's an Arab story, they got together. And each one of them said that, you know, today we must talk about our husband, how they are. So the first one said, my husband is this and this and this. Second one, third, third one said, everybody take about her. One of them is Umm Muzara. Her husband was Abu Zara, who was very nice. All the time, you know, caring about her, to their stories. So then the Prophet said, at the end of the story, to Aisha, oh Aisha, I am for you, I Abu Zara was for his wife, Umm Muzara. So see, sometimes storytelling. You know, entertainment sometimes make this thing. You know, make effort to please your wife, please your family. Don't be like a king, a master, a ruler in the house. You know, in the house you are just a human being. Be like that. The Ayesha Nata said, when the Prophet used to come to, her, to the house, he used to do work of the house. You know, a messenger can do work of the house. And we think we are not meant to, to, to make the food and to help the wives. And the Prophet is helping his wives. You know, learn this thing, don't be arrogant in the house. The people, actually, people have to learn these, these matters. So this is actually very, very important for the believers. That actually how the life of the house will become you know, peaceful and nice really. And then everybody you know, learn from each other and they live peacefully and that becomes ibadah. Ibadah only comes by making the effort. Is it clear? Then after that, if your husband, they should not be miser. You know, when you are in the house, you know, you spend money according to your own standard. You know, don't, don't hold money, don't worship money. Money is actually for a purpose. Money, purpose of the money is that you spend on yourself, you spend on your family, then give zakat and sadaqah and charity. And the best money that you spend actually is on your, on your family. That's the command of Allah. And you get reward for that. When you spend money on your family, on your children, you get reward for that. It is ibadah. And the Prophet said that, you know, a husband, when he you know, puts food in the mouth of the wife, he gets reward for that. Do we do like that? 
You think the ibadah is only to come for the prayer? This is also ibadah. Really. Make effort sometimes to please your wife. Aisha said, sometimes the Prophet when we are eating meat, you know, I used to cut the meat, so he used to take that bone from me and used to put his, his mouth, his lips, on the same place where I put. He used to, he, he, he to suck the food like that, out of the lip. That's how the person swing. Do we do? Because we have become like Hindus. We think leftover is haram, impure. We don't eat anybody leftover. That actually how people say in India, if you see the Hindus, two Hindus, they are traveling, they are very happy, very friendly. When the time of the food comes, so this one will turn this way and this one will turn this way. They will eat separately. They can't eat together because they think the food of each one is impure for, for them. This is how we have become. You know, Hadith of the Prophet means that the leftover of the believer is pure and cure. It is cure for the believer. You know, not like, you know, Muslims should be like that. Not only that, you know, leftover of any human being is pure for us. Even the leftover of those animals which are eaten, like the, like the goat, like the sheep, like the camel, if they, they take water, drink water from any container, you are allowed to drink from that container. It is pure for you. So, you know, don't make your own religion. Know your limit. Follow the commands of Allah's messenger. That how they have been doing. You are not more pure than them. You know, we are not actually better than them. So, you know, this actually what, what, what we have learned in the house. That, you know, nice trees, nice, nice life. So, spending money properly. Exactly this, how much time is there? 15 minutes. Huh? 15. 15 minutes, okay. I'll leave some time, inshallah, for the question as well. Uh, Rani, that's 4, huh? No, it's 10 to 10 to 4. Okay, then just I'll finish, inshallah, now. So anyway, so these are the details actually about how people should be in the, okay, there are more details about other things, but uh, I just want you know, to emphasize on this one because there's so much pronounced in the house really, and I really have been thinking what the hell have done wrong in Muslim families. There's so much people beat their wives, they, you know, they argue, they fight, they quarrel, and it actually upset the family and the children are upset. So many problems happening, I have been thinking really. So there are a few things actually came to my mind really that, that, that the problem really. One is, that we don't understand the marriage ibadah. Any difficulty that you have in family life, you get reward for that. Why you are upset? Why are you angry? When your wife is angry and you accept that anger, you are patient, you are getting reward. If you come to your house, she's happy, it's still reward. But if she's angry and you accept that, you get double reward. So you should be more happy. When your wife is angry, you should be more happy. Why divorce and separation? You should be happy that you get double reward. She's increasing your reward. She, you should love a wife who makes you angry. Because basically she's going to give a paradise. I like this story. A man who was, uh, you know, very ugly. A pious person. He was not, very, not good face. He was ugly. But he married a woman who was very handsome, very attractive, very beautiful. So one day she said to him that me and you both are in paradise. So he became very happy. He said, how do you know? You know, if person, how do you know? She said, because, you know, you got a wife like me, so beautiful. And you thanked Allah. And you got go, get in paradise because thinking makes people to go in paradise. I have got a husband like you, so ugly, and I'm patient. I've got paradise because sabr, to sabr and sugar. You see how nice you know, life all thinking. You think properly, even things which actually think not good. So, you know, if your wife is happy, don't worry. You know, people should learn how to enjoy when your wife is happy, and also you learn how to enjoy when your wife is angry because when she's angry, then she has a new style on her face. That's also new, new thing, new enjoyment. People have to learn this thing really. When she's angry, you enjoy that. When she's happy, you can enjoy that. When she's upset, enjoy that. Don't be upset. Don't be angry. Learn how to how to benefit from the situation, how to use that for, for the So this is the first thing actually I realized actually the reason of the problem actually people don't understand it is ibadah. And the second thing actually I felt is 
you know, people don't understand the limits. This is the problem really. We don't understand, we, have been, we are not independent people. We are not free people. We are slaves of the master. We are slaves of Allah Taala. We have got limits. Don't exceed the limit. For every single thing, like for example, you are not allowed to do ruku and sajda before Imam. Can you do that? It is your limit. You have to do ruku and sajda after the Imam. You cannot do before. Can you say salam before Imam? Can you uh, uh, read in the Quran behind the Imam? Or can you read louder than him? And you say, I am a man, he is a man, and both are a man. Can you say like that? Similarly, in the house you have limits. It's not that you can do whatever you like. Learn the, learn the limits, really. This is the problem of the Asakri that we don't learn the limits. So anyway, these are two things really which I realize that cause the First thing is not understanding that marriage is ibadah and not expecting the reward. And second thing is not understanding the limits and being too arrogant in, in the house. So I stop it here, inshallah, because now time is near for the prayer. And if you have any question, please ask. Please ask. Yeah, that's a, it's one of the really difficult things really in, in, in this country really. and many people have been asking we, we don't know how to find you know partner you know men don't know how to find wives and wives women don't know how to find husband really, very good question really it is a big problem and families don't help us the thing actually is families are very keen to impose something but they are not very keen to help <coughs> you know they, they should actually make effort to find someone you know, this is actually a very good question, really. You know, people, elderly people of the society, they should take care of that, really. They should make effort to help young people if, and ask them that you are not married. If you want, I can help you. You know, the people should come. And also the teachers, like imams, they know the people. You know, I, alhamdulillah, I've been teaching as well. And, you know, very sometimes actually I help my students to get married or something like that. And I'm doing that. So I don't promise that I can do everything. What I'm saying actually is that the people should do. In every area, the imams and the teachers, they should help people. But it's a good question. It's one of the things worrying for everybody. The every locality, every area, you know, you are establishing the mosque. You're building mosque, madrasa. You also should make a committee which can think, which can just work for this purpose. That how to arrange a marriage for young people, young men and women. It is reward. You know, to arrange a marriage for young women, men and women, you get so much reward. To, you know, if 10, 20 people from the locality, or 5, 6 people, whatever number, they get together that we are making this committee only for this purpose, to help young men and women to get married. And then young men and women come to them, contact them, and they arrange the meeting. That's actually one of the best things for the reward. So it should happen. It's a good question, really. But your answer actually is not very clear for me, because, you know, it's a really diff very difficult thing. But people of every, every place, they should, uh, you know, take care of this. They should do something for that. Any other question? Um, you, you touched upon the, um, the rights of the wife and also about the undue expectation on the, the parents-in-law. Uh, when, when the husband has to give his wife certain rights and then his parents, and there's a clash, sometimes it's difficult to keep the balance between respecting your parents and giving your wife your rights. I don't think really there is a clash anyway because both rights or duties are both of the so clear in Islam it never can happen anyway. If you provide proper independent accommodation for your wife and then you look after your parent as well and look after her, I don't think any problem will rise ever anyway. You know, you look after your parent and look after your wife. Why is there a problem? The problem only happens when you expect your wife to look after your parent. <coughs> then the problem. But if you are doing, 
that there can't be any problem. The problem is this actually is that we expect the women to look after our parent. And this is not their duty. It never can be ever their duty. To know the things properly, the duties of your wife actually is to obey you, to listen, to be in your house. But her duty is not to look after your relatives, after your parent, after your brothers, after your sister. Don't expect things from them. Actually, it becomes nicer. When you do like that, then your wife will be very keen to serve your, your parent. Because the problem only starts when they're in the same house. Then the rivalry are fighting. When they're in different houses, they would like to make you happy. They will support you, help you. And I have seen really, when, you, when women are living separate from, from in-laws, they're very friendly. When they live together, they hate each other. There's so much fighting. So the best solution, if you want to have you know, all things for friendly, the way is to, look, to, to live separately. You go to your parent, you know, look after them, but don't make your wife. She will occasionally she'll be keen. She will help you. But don't force her. Don't ask her. There's a people in India, they live in one room. Hmm. Right? India, Pakistan, there's a lot of, lot of them live together. Hmm. How can you say to them that they're all committing sin? You know, I, whether I say or not, but if you go and find out really, there are sins happening. There are so many sins now happening. There, there, you have to accept that there, there is a circumstances. There is some nonsense yeah. you can commit, you can say that it's a sin, but it's not a sin, but, because they cannot afford to do yeah, it. That, that's fine, but the thing is, those conditions are not that condition which has no solution. There has a solution. People don't want to, to follow the solution. I tell you this, I am from India, and I, I know Bombay, I know the crowded area of Bombay as well. I know what's happening. I tell you the truth, basically, what is happening in those houses. Sometimes, actually, things are so shameful, really, that we cannot talk about that. You know, it is so much, it has come from those women, they say, sometimes they have been abused by their close relatives in such a way, which actually is a worse haram in Islam. If somebody, you know, this actually happens, when you people living together, you know, men and women, they have attraction. And somebody who is not related, you know, and sometimes not only that, actually close maharim, they are involved in many of these things. You know, things really, are, when Islam does not allow this thing, for a reason. When people live together unnecessarily, because if a woman is in the same house, a same room, and your brothers are in the same room, you know, they're attracted to each other, they can talk with each other, and sometimes they've got you know, privacy, living together, and then who can stop this thing? You know, and that's why the Prophet said very clearly, somebody asked, can, can women be in front of the brother of her husband? Alhamdulillah. The Prophet said, Alhamdulillah. The brother of the husband is the death. Then the Prophet said, if he's death, you allow to leave, leave them together? You know, I am coming from India, I really know the problems, what happened in the society there. It is very, very bad and we have to cure and never say that what Allah has commanded, it is difficult to uh, uh, do. No, it is easy to do, but we don't think how to find the solution. Solutions are there. Ask wise people, they have solved the problem and there are people who solve the problem. So, you know, that, that otherwise if you don't solve the problem, the problem will become more and more severe. I mean, this country happening. Things are happening very badly. People actually uh, mentioned to me, there are in illegal relations between the women and between the in-laws. Are we going to accept that? It's very better. Our society, we have to think how to purify our society, how to, how to make them better. It's our duty. If we don't follow the commands of Allah, we are going to harm ourselves. What's the question? Yeah. Okay, can you read please? Okay. Um, this is from a sister from upstairs. Yeah. What are the rights of an older person who is divorced and wants to remarry and does not want to have children because of their age? The thing basically is I'm not going to give fatwa because there are so many conditions. But know this thing very clearly, the marriage in Islam basically is the basic purpose to have family. To have any intention not to have family, that basically is not what Islam has made. 
but still i say it could be some individual people they have their own their own cases where it can be allowed for them not to have family but for that purpose you have to explain your your situation to an imam and mufti and he will fatwa i'm not going to make a general fatwa here because generally in islam it is not allowed it is not encouraged but it could be in individual cases sometime it can be allowed so come to an imam come to mufti and explain to that the imam that i've got this condition i'm allowed to marry without having a family then they will give you fatwa but generally it is not allowed in islam نوبلٹی You know, he did not become tough. He didn't divorce them. He did not uh, become angry. He basically is retiring to wait command from his Lord because he is he's, he cannot accept that he can give from those booties anything from his, for his wife. Because what, they, what, they, what they did ask for is mobile. Yeah, it was permissible. You know, it yeah, no, the, what they ask is permissible. But in terms but of his dealing with no, 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 no. It is listen. What they ask is no doubt it is, it is, it is allowed. But it is not uh, at the standard of the family of the Prophet. Because the family of the Prophet actually is, sh- should be rising above the, what is mubah for the people. You know, could be something mubah allowed for uh, no, uh, common people. But for family of the Prophet, their standard should, should be above that. So the Prophet could not know really how to deal with this, this situation. So he did not want to divorce them. He did not want to become angry with them. But he decided to be away for, 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 for them for a while until the revelation came to him. Then the revelation came and then in nicely. So this, uh, Now, I think in our lives, yeah, this is an area we find confusing. Because, you know, uh, I mean, we, we, all, uh, we all know uh, Rasulullah's household, you know. It, it wasn't a lavish uh, household, you know, in terms of, you know, there's, uh, I think at least when Rasulullah used to pray, I actually used to bend their knees, yeah, and so on. So it was a very small household and so on. Um, I think what well, a lot of husbands and wives probably find confusing is, you know, they say, you know, the husband should be very, you know, uh, uh, He should basically provide for his wife and stuff like that. And there's the other instance, instances, you know, where we have this, where they did ask for things, and Rasulullah, you know, he didn't like it. You know, so he basically distanced you know, himself. But the thing is... I think what, what, what I'm trying to ask from yourself is, you know, where is the boundary, yeah? yeah that said, we can basically yeah. take into our own lives mm-hmm. and understand that this is the boundary. Yeah, you know, learn two things, two things. One thing is what people can afford. So then, then they should not imagine, they should not imagine, they should spend on their family. Second thing is, people, if they really, they know there is more urgent need in Islam than their own family, and they want to spend their family, but instead of, you know, putting money in the house, money in the house, or spend, they spend money on those more urgent cause of Islam that Allah wants, it is bravery, it is really real generosity, that you sacrifice your own interest, your own family for the sake of Allah and for the sake of Islam. The Prophet knew that in Medina there are those orphans whose, whose father has been killed in the battle of Badr and battle of Uhud and because of them Islam actually has like that. He could not forget them. He was thinking if anything coming up, they have priority. He said actually, he said that the orphans of Medina, they have more priority than anybody else. You know, you see how it takes care of the people. So this is sacrifice that you, when you take the care of other families before your own family, it's not easy. But for the common people, you don't ask such a big sacrifice. For common people, you say that if you have got enough resources, enough income, first spend on your family. 
देन आफ्टर दैट टू अदर पीपल बट द प्रॉफिट टू हिम एक्चुअली एवरी सिंगल चाइल्ड मदीना इलाके सन हैप्पी they accepted that they knew that the prophet has got support from allah subhanahu but for a normal people a common people the law basically is when you have got you know enough money start with your own family because the person has said very clearly wa bada biman taul start spending with those people who depend upon you for himself he did different way more sacrifice because he different family but for everybody else his guidance is ibda biman taul those who depend on you first spend upon them then after that other poor people and our poor people so like that to so the prophets allah subhanahu wa taala they have different in you know, stand different criteria so that we have to understand that was the nobility which cannot expect from other people to so for other people is ibda biman ta'ul start with those who depend upon you yes yeah. for sister um, i'm divorced would like to remarry what are my rights you know that the thing basically no doubt really it is also one of the really noble task no doubt really one of the great good deeds in islam that the women who are divorced and people help them to get remarried really it is one of the noble thing and there have been really ulama in india monas mas shahid and many others they really you know they really made big effort for the women who are widows and then how they have been divorced in, in, in delhi and to 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 help them to get married this really one of the that you know many many ladies they have been divorced or their husband died and they're young and they're in that age that they should marry or maybe maybe they're not young but they need someone who can look after them the people really they, they should their right is like any other wife's right their right have you know full accommodation and expenses everything else but you know we we think only you know very often you know if you build a mosque people think spending money for building a mosque is reward you know we don't understand really spending money to get a widow a, a divorced woman to marry it also has a reward sometimes the reward will be more than if there are more than enough mosque in, in in the area you spend money to for some to get married it has more reward you know i tell a story then i finish the story with a very important story touching actually for hard a person from delhi he written a story he went for the hajj and he made dua allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i want to know who whose hajj has been accepted this year so i ask him to make dua then he was inspired that there somebody in egypt his name is ali the shoemaker he is a shoemaker his hajj has been accepted this person traveled to cairo to egypt and he came there and looking for until he got the got the house of ali the shoemaker so he said to ali the shoemaker i have come from india and i only came because i have been told that your hajj has been accepted what is the reason ali the shoemaker came i never did hajj so how can my hajj be accepted so he said there must be story He said, "Yeah, actually, what happened is I am a shoemaker. I collected money for many, many years to do Hajj, and I was about to go for Hajj. What happened? My wife was pregnant. She went to the house of the neighbor, and the neighbor they were cooking some meat, very nice meat. And the women were pregnant. They like this, you know, this uh, this is meat. So the neighbor did not offer the food. She asked them. They still did not give. And while the neighbor used to come to our house, they used to offer. When my wife came, she complained to me that you know my neighbor. When they come to our house, we offer everything." and i went to their house they did not offer food and when i asked them they did not give any anything what is wrong he said i became very angry very upset that you know my neighbors i take care of them why what happened so 
So I went to my neighbor. I said, my wife came to your house. You are cooking, cooking nice food, uh, meat and did not offer anything to her. So they said, actually, I'll tell you the story to what happened. We have been hungry for a few days until the dead animal became halal for us. So we found a dead goat somewhere. We got it and we cooked it. It was haram for your wife, halal for me. That I did. Ali Shoemaker said, I am collecting all money for, go, for going for Hajj and my neighbor is eating dead animal. He said, I gave all money to my neighbor. Allah. And Allah inspired his Hajj. He never did Hajj. But he got more reward than, you know, this understand something. You know, what urgent need? Helping the widows, helping the orphans, helping the divorced women, helping any weak people in the society has more reward sometimes than many, many nafla prayer and many, many nafla Hajj. We have to not understand the priorities in Islam. So I start with him, inshallah, wa akhidu'ana, alhamdulillah, wa